Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Good to be together again there, Agent Bongino. Yeah, I had a um, one of these, like, we struck gold in them darn air hills weekend, you know? <laughs> I did. I found... I had, by the way, I got a lot of emails from listeners. Thank you for all your feedback on the tariff show. Like I said, I read them all and I appreciate all your opinions. Um, you know, this is not a uh, show where I expect you to agree with me on everything. If it was, if it, if it was that kind of show, it'd be a phony show. And right. what's the point that anybody can lie to you? I'm not going to do that. Uh, I appreciate that. But also the feedback on a couple of other things. I got some stories that are going to blow your mind today. I want to talk a little bit about some striking revelations I had. Um, this weekend from some information that was sent my way on this uh, Russian fiasco. That's interesting. I promise you, you're going to enjoy this. Um, And also on the the Democrats' war on the uh, Electoral College and the reason they're trying to, uh, you know, they're trying to overthrow the Constitutional Republic through a popular vote mandate. There's a couple of scams they're pulling. All right, uh, before we get to that, my Patriot Supply, we love these guys. Got to be prepared, folks. In times like these, there are two things, two things that are critical to our liberty and security. The first is self-reliance, the ability to provide. It's American. That's what we're about. The second is a corollary to the first, emergency preparedness, the ability to provide in the worst of times. You got a plan? Do you have a plan? If not, where do you start? Yeah, you gave me a corollary. Yeah, yeah, of course. You, you really, go see a doctor. Take an Thank aspirin you. right away. Here, Be prepared. Here's a clue. Before an emergency strikes, start with food storage and trust my buddies at My Patriot Supply. I love these guys. The experts at food storage. They help me prepare and they'll help uh, you every step of the way too. Get their two-week emergency food kit at a special price for Dan Bongino Show listeners. Only $67 each. That's a savings of 50 bucks. That's two weeks of emergency food. That's great for hurricane preparedness and everything else. Ship discreetly to your door. Call 888-411-8926 or go to this special website, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. The food lasts 25 years in storage. It's the best first step toward preparedness. Don't wait. Emergencies won't wait for you. 888-411-8926 or preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. We love those guys. Okay, Uh, let me just start quickly with the gun control thing. I made a point I want to make up to you all, too, on Tucker's show. And I'll put a little twitchy.com piece up at the show notes today, Bongino.com, that has a clip of it. If you want to check out my appearance on Friday night, it got picked up by a lot of different uh, conservative outlets. I I was trying to make the point about gun control laws, and I want you to ponder this, folks. Mm. And I'm really interested in your feedback, especially if you're a liberal listener, too, because I want you to challenge me on this. Seriously, even if you're a conservative listener, I want you to find the holes in this as well, because I like being challenged. One of the reasons I am so against additional, quote, gun control laws, which is, you know, there's no such thing as gun control, but that's the way the focus group on the left frames it, Mm -hmm. because it sounds good. Of course, we all got to control guns, you know, but they don't, guns are not controlled. That's the irony of the situation. Joe, one of the questions I asked, and and, if, and I'm serious, Joe, no, don't mess around here with this. I know you wouldn't anyway, but if, if right. you see a hole in what I'm saying, point it out right away. All right. Okay. I made the point on Tucker's show that gun control laws are one of the few laws against the serious crime, right? Robbery, burglary, rape, homicide, criminal yeah. possession of a weapon. That gun control laws are one of the few laws that only affect the good guys, 
but don't affect the bad guys. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, now think about what I'm saying here, because yeah. I, 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 the liberals went nuts when I said this, but it's true. I, I, I may, if I mentioned this on the show before, forgive me, but it's worth repeating. Joe, do burglary laws affect you at all? Will they alter your behavior? Hell no. No, because Joe doesn't burglarize homes. Right. Now, Joe, you know my wife, Paula. Do you think yeah. armed robbery laws affect Paula and her behavior at all? Uh, absolutely not. Y- yes. Uh, she would not be a good uh, mugger. No. She, if, I love my wife, but she's not doesn't have a particularly violent streak. Um, she's also significantly shorter and smaller than me. I doubt uh, she would be. Uh, she do very well in that profession. Folks. Most of the laws on the book that are designed to curtail behavior are designed to curtail the bad guy's behavior, not the good guy's behavior. The difference with gun laws, as they're written now, is they do nothing to curtail the bad guy's behavior. In fact, they make it more bad guy-ish. Yeah. Because the bad guys don't get their guns legally. The drug dealers, the rapists, the the, the muggers, the bur- the people involved in armed burglaries, uh, you know, uh, forced entries into homes. They don't go to the gun store and buy their guns. No, 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 they don't. They don't do that. Thank you for putting an accent on that. They don't. They get their guns off the black market. So the behavior of the criminal is not affected at all. Matter of fact, the criminal prefers gun law. They don't like burglary laws. Dig it. Dig it. You're right. Burglary laws screw them over because if they get caught, they go to jail. The difference with gun laws and the reason they like gun laws is because, yeah, they're taking on a little risk carrying a gun illegally, but they know they're probably not going to get caught. They've been carrying it most of their lives, a lot of them. And secondly, they know you, the good guy, will follow the gun laws which in blue states are hyper-restrictive, which will keep you from carrying a gun. So there's a force asymmetry where they get to prey on you, the unarmed citizen. Now, a couple of people pointed out, and fair enough, they said, well, you know, what about speeding laws? They affect the law by, yeah, it's true, a lot of people do who are generally law-abiding citizens would speed, I get it. Yeah. So, But I'm not talking about, I'm talking about serious stuff, your drug dealing, robbery, and so I'll I, I point stipulated on that, so don't email me that one, I get, but I'm not, I wasn't really talking about speeding infractions. I'm talking about serious things like burglary, robbery, rape, homicide, forced entry, you know, assault one, assault two, assault three, that's what I was referring to. Those laws don't impact you at all because you don't do that stuff yet gun laws in new york in maryland and in california legitimately legal i'm speaking about legally i'm not saying constitutional i just mean that they i should use even use the term legitimately this is illegitimate but they believe it is keep you factually from owning a firearm but do well they do nothing to impede the criminal at all challenge me on that and, dude, there is a market for drugs. There's a market for prostitution. Yep. And let me tell you yep. something, pal. There is a market for illegal guns. Oh, is big, there ever? Big time. They're is not there hard to find, Dano. And they, they, they love it because it, it's I, what enforces their criminal enterprise. Yeah. Remember, criminal enterprises are not enforced via contract law. You know, Joe and I have a deal with Conservative Review and Westwood One, and I have a deal with NRA TV. By the way, my show launches tonight, 530 uh, right. Eastern Time. So check that out at NRATV.com. But we these deals, <laughs> shameless plug, right? Throw, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> That's all right. But those deals are enforced via contract. 
because Joe and I are law-abiding folks. I mean, you know, if I have a contract with Joe and we have a contract with Westwood, we honor the contract because that's what law-abiding people do. Criminals involved in the drug enterprise and child sex trafficking and internet pornography and robbery rings and car theft rings, they enforce their laws by violence. Hey, you're going to go steal that car and bring it to me. If you don't, I'm going to shoot you. Boom. They don't go, hey, we got a contract, Joe. Um, you're going to steal me five cars, and if you break that contract, I'm going to take you to court. Wait, what? <laughs> so the entire premise of a gun law reinforces the black market, reinforces the black market for weapons, and allows criminals to prey freely on you while it doesn't affect them one bit. Folks, it doesn't affect them one bit. I'm telling you, watch the clip. It's up at twitchy.com. I'll have it on the show notes today. And uh, Tucker, I think, got a good laugh out of it because I think he knew um, what I was saying was true. It's, it's folks, it's it's pathetic. Um, all right, now, let me just, uh, I got a, we got a few sponsors today, so I appreciate their support and keeping the show free. And I want to get to this because I've got some mind-blowing information. I'm absolutely convinced, by the way, Joe, that the Mueller investigation is now officially a smokescreen. Mm. I think a lot of you suspected that, but I'm going to I'm gonna knock two of these out of the park today to show you this thing is nothing but a scam right now. Cool. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at iTarget, create, uh, creators of the iTarget Pro system. This is a great system. Thank you for the emails. You know who you are, people who've sent me their, uh, their shooting scores. What does this system do? It is a, a system that allows you at home to take your dry fire practice to the next level. Dry fire is basically the, pulling the trigger on an empty weapon. Check it, check it twice, check it three times. Look, listen, feel inside that empty chamber, right? God forbid you don't want an accidental discharge. That would be catastrophic. But dry firing allows you to practice your trigger control, your trigger pull, slow and deliberate, your sight alignment, equal light on both sides, level across the top. These are important skills. The iTarget Pro system, and that's the letter I, the website's itargetpro.com. They will send you a laser round. You drop in the firearm you have now. You don't have to make any manipulations. And when you depress the trigger, it emits a laser onto a target they send you. So you know exactly where that round would have would have went. Obviously, it's a laser round. It's not a real round, obviously. But people send me their scores because you can track them on this phone app. It's a terrific system. I, my father loves it. People who pick it up never put it down, and it will dramatically increase your accuracy. Anybody can shoot a firearm. The question is, can you fire it accurately? If, God forbid, you're involved in a, self, a self-defense situation, can you engage and hit your target? That's what matters. Check it out. It's the letter I, targetpro.com. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Promo code DAN, D-A-N, for 10% off. Promo code Dan for 10% off. Remember, competitive shooters, they dry fire 10 times more than they live fire because that's what matters, folks. Practice that trigger control. Practice your uh, your sight alignment. This stuff matters. You need these skills to defend yourself in the real world. itargetpro.com. Okay. So here's what we're going to try to sum up for you in uh, about 20 to 20 minutes or so because this is um, this this really blew my mind this weekend. Were the Russians buying off the Clintons? Did Obama know about it? And is this entire effort now a smokescreen to cover this up with Mueller? I think we have evidence right now that this is uh, this is the case. Let me let me just preface this by saying when I say were the Russians buying off the Clintons, I want to be clear here because I want to be fair on this, folks. Too, mm. I've said to you from the start 
that the Russians play the mutually assured destruction intelligence game. The Russians play the VIG, if you were a bookie. They were playing both sides. They were attempting to influence everybody in the election, the Clinton team, Clinton consiglieres. They were attempting to get involved in everything. The Trump team, the, this is what they do. So anyone who tells you, oh, that, you know, the Russians were trying to influence the outcome of the election for Trump to win. I don't believe it. The Russians were trying to get negative information on everybody in the election because that's what the Russians do. It is mutually assured intelligence destruction, no matter who wins. Here's what I think is going on here, though. The Russian operation to buy off the Clintons was so damaging in contrast to Russian efforts to donate money to political causes that were in political uh, groups that would support Trump, Joe. So just to be clear, Mm -hmm. the Russians are buying off both sides with money. The reason the Russian collusion narrative and the Mueller team is necessary is to hide the fact that the Russian influence operation against the Clintons was personally benefiting the Clintons in conjunction for potential decision-making she may have made at the State Department with the while working for the Obama administration. You get what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah. So Trump was not in any kind of political power. We can all agree, folks. Agreed. Trump was, not a, Trump was a private citizen and a businessman. And however untoward the Russians' attempt to donate to political groups that supported Trump, to start Facebook ads to support Trump, even though they supported Facebook ads to support Hillary, too. Remember that. Mm-hmm. If you look at item 53 on the revised uh, indictment against the 13 Russians, I mean, uh, the information against the 13 Russians that came out a few weeks ago from Mueller and the special counsel. Remember that, Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at... Item 53 in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, blueberry stuck in my tooth here. Item 53 is clear as day that the Russians supported groups that supported Hillary as well. They started anti-Trump rallies. They started pro-Trump rallies. They started a group called Support Hillary, Save American Muslims. They do it because the Russians so chaos. What I'm trying to tell you, let's be crystal clear before I move on, because I'm going to give you some complicated but mind-blowing information here. They influence both sides with money and lobbying influence. The problem is the Hillary team and the Obama team needed to cover it up because unlike the Trump team, they had political power and there were questionable decisions made to benefit people who had relayed cash to the Clinton Foundation. Are we clear on that? Yeah, we're good. We're good. They absolutely had to cover this up because they were the ones in power. And whereas the Trump team... You know, and, and, and political groups that may have benefited. Maybe in the future we should become more savvy as to where this is coming from, the money. Mm-hmm. But again, how you do it without quelling free speech is going to be difficult. But the Clinton team was in trouble and deep trouble because if Trump got elected, it was the decisions they made that benefited moneyed people in Russia that were going to cause them problems. Here's what I mean. So I've been working all weekend, which is driving my wife crazy because I work all the time. It's driving her nuts. I feel bad. She listens to the show, too. So I'm sorry, Paul. I have. Is that it all weekend? Joe knows my wife. She's great. Yeah. She's like a, a blessing to us all here on this show. Yeah. But she was a little, a little upset because this weekend I was working a lot and I've been uncovering some shady relationships and I want to lay them out for you and I will sum it up. So don't just remember the names, as I always say. There is a bank in Russia. Matter of fact, it's one of their largest banks called Spurbank. S-B-E-R Bank. Spurbank. Not, I, 
I was. I'm surprised, Joe. I'm waiting for you. you where I, am I going? It's too easy. I'm sorry. I, I know. I know. I just <laughs> set you up. I totally. That's why I spelled it. That's S B B E R Bank. There's no M in there. <laughs> And there's no P. I know where Joe. I see us. I I know this guy. Come I on. don't even. I've been with this guy so long. I knew exactly where he was going with that, and, and I did set myself up. It was so too shame easy. on Dan Bongino. Spurbank. Okay, there's. A, I can't even. I, I'm done. Show's over. Thanks, folks. I'm in the mood for a fillet of fish. <laughs> oh, that's gross. You're disgusting. Yes, Spur. You're a beast. Okay, Spurbank. So here's the thing with this Russian bank. It's one of the largest banks, Spurbank. They had a $170,000 lobbying contract with the Podesta Group. Now, what was the Podesta Group? Podesta Group, the Podesta Group is a lobbying firm, obviously, run by Tony Podesta, who is the brother to John Podesta, who is Hillary Clinton's right-hand man forever. So just to be clear, one of Russia's largest banks, Spurbank, has this $170,000 contract where they're paying the brother of Clinton's right-hand man, John Podesta, the brother Tony Podesta. Yeah. They're paying him to lobby on their behalf for their interests. Spurbank is involved in a deal between these two Russian oligarchs. Remember the names? You've heard them before. Intimately involved, Spurbank, in this deal between Oleg Deripaska and Viktor Vexelberg. Hmm. Now, both of these are oligarchs are billionaires and enormous players in Russian politics intimately connected to the Putin machine over there. Deripaska and Vexelberg. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners, these names sound familiar. Yeah. So again, big bank in Russia paying the brother of a, of a Clinton consigliere, Podesta, to lobby for them. The same bank is involved with these two Russian oligarchs in a deal for a, basically you know, a merger deal involving a metals company. Now, why am I bringing any of this up? Because Deripaska is intimately involved in this entire Russia, Trump, Hillary narrative. How? A number of different ways. But here's the important takeaway. And these are, again, a series of suspicious connections that keep creeping up in this Russia thing that the whole weekend I've been working on this, I've been scratching my head. Deripaska had hired a lobbyist, the guy with the last name of Waldman. Mm. This guy Waldman's lobbying for Deripaska, a guy uh, uh, who is, again, uh, working with this Russian bank being you know, lobbying, being paid, uh, excuse me, paying a lobbyist whose brother is connected to the Clintons. Yeah. Deripaska is paying this lobbyist. This lobbyist, Waldman, reaches out to a Democrat senator, Waldman, and he says, hey, listen, I can basically connect you to Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele is the British spy who uh, produced the fake Russian information. Right. Now, what are the chances that a lobbyist who's working for a Russian oligarch Connected to a bank, paying a Clinton associate's brother. What are the chances that happen randomly? Do you understand why I keep telling you I'm absolutely convinced this entire time this Trump thing was a setup? That this was planned out? That none of this was by mistake? So Deripaska pays this, uh, pays this lobbyist woman, who again reaches out to a Democrat senator. This Democrat senator who's connected to Mark Warner from Virginia, this senator 
he reaches out to him and says, hey, I can connect you to Christopher Steele um, and can set up this meeting. Steele, of course, is getting information, he says, from Russian sources about Donald Trump. Did Deripaska have anything to do with that? Now, interestingly enough, Deripaska is involved in this car deal as well. And a company that's uh, fronting the car deal, Magna, donated between 500000 to $1 million to who? Oh, the Clinton Foundation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's just uh, another one of those crazy uh, coincidences. Jeez. There's a guy who emailed me. He hates when I do that. He's like, why do you always got to be sarcastic? And he, Sorry. It's just, <laughs> it's just weird how all this stuff always happens. Okay. <laughs> So right, isn't it? I mean, it's, he does. He's like, it's hard you're, to not you're be sarcastic, sarcastic man. Jeez. It is. It is. It's hard. The point I'm trying to make here is there are connections. There are connections between. I, I'm not even done with the. So we're talking about two oligarchs here: Deripaska and Vexelberg. Deripaska, company associated with, donate money to the Clinton Foundation. Deripaska is connected to a lobbyist. The lobbyist magically has contact with Christopher Steele, who produces negative information on Trump, and they want to connect him to a Democrat senator. They're also connected to a Russian bank. Russian bank has connections to the brother of John Podesta, who is Clinton's right-hand man. Victor Vexelberg, who also... Uh, I mean, everybody's connected to this uh, Russian bank to Russia. It's, it's, it's an enormous bank. But these are interesting connections, to say the least. Vexelberg has this group, uh, Renova Group. It donated between 50K and 100K to the Clinton Foundation. Vexelberg, as I pointed out last week, by the way, a project falling under his purview, according to Clinton Foundation emails that were released, was the Skolkovo Project. The Skolkovo project was the Russian Silicon Valley project, which the army and our intel of communities acknowledged was just an attempt at uh, espionage to steal, steal trade secrets. And I, I put a piece in the show notes last week by Diana West showing that the Skolkovo project at Vexelberg fell under his purview, according to Clinton Email Foundation emails, may have been responsible for the development of these deadly uh, continent killer missiles that Putin was just bragging about in, a, uh, in an election speech last week. Now, interestingly enough, 17 of the 28 companies that were going to be involved in this Russian Silicon Valley project called Skolkovo, don't forget that name, right. also made significant donations to the Clinton Foundation. There's a yeah. constant theme of money going uh, from Russia yes. to the Clintons. Yes. And I mean, people connected to Russia yeah. approaching the Trump team. So Vexelberg also is, is is responsible through at least his companies for getting money over to the Clinton Foundation. What is the point I'm trying to make here? The point I'm trying to make is whereas Russian money unquestionably made it into the United States on both sides. The money that made it to the Democrat side influenced the Democrats because they were in power or at a minimum could have influenced the Democrats. Vexelberg's involved with Skolkovo. Skolkovo needs Hillary Clinton uh, to advocate for as secretary of state and the Obama administration. 17 to 28 companies involved in Skolkovo, which it already, Joe, we acknowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Skolkovo's... The, the army and intel reports already acknowledge that this is likely it's attempted espionage only. Yep. In other words, hey, companies, bring all your technology to Russia. By the way, we're going to steal it. It may have been responsible for the development of these missiles Putin's bragging about. I think the Obama team 
I don't think I know. I think the Obama administration and the Hillary team knew the entire time that if they lost, that this was going to be disastrous. I also think Russians knew that as well and did not want this information out. Now, the Mueller team. I find it awfully interesting right now that the Bob Mueller special counsel team is focusing at least up to this point. And if I'm proven wrong, I will come out on this show and say it, Joe. But this is why I'm absolutely convinced the Bob Mueller team, Bob Mueller, who was the FBI director when the Uranium One sale went down, by the way, is covering up everything that happened for them using the special counsel investigation. In other words, they are going to focus on the influence and the monetary influence, uh, the excuse me, monetary influence on the Trump team. They're going to leave all together out of it, all of the money that exchanged hands and went over to the Clinton Foundation and that was used to influence the Clintons through lobbying, through Waldman and through the Podesta group. Why? Because up to this point, Joe, where's the investigation into the Podesta group? In other words, mm-hmm. the Podesta group had a partner in this. I don't know if you know who it is. The Podesta group's partner was Paul Manafort in a lot of this lobby, yeah. who was Trump's campaign manager. Manafort is now unquestionably under investigation, has been indicted. Yeah. But Manafort's partner in a lot of these financial dealings was the Podesta group. Now, if there's an investigation going on there to these connections, okay, fine. That's that's great. There should that should happen. If we're really looking to investigate Russian influence in US politics, why isn't the Podesta group being investigated too? This is why I'm becoming more convinced, Joe, by the day that this Mueller thing is just a smokescreen to say, hey, let's focus on the money that made it over to the Trump side, Mm -hmm. but let's not pay attention to any of the heavy duty dollars that traded hands on the um on the Democrat side as well. Now, I, I've got some. I do another thing that broke this weekend that, that ties into last week's show. And I'm going to get that in a second because I want to. I saw an interesting tweet this weekend. Someone sent it over to me, and I appreciate it. The gist of the tweet was this: Don't you find it odd that the very same law firm, Perkins Coie, that hired CrowdStrike to blame the Russians? For hacking the DNC, the very same law firm also hired Fusion GPS to find evidence of collusion between Trump and Russia. Folks, this was a setup the entire time. The Clinton and Obama team knew money had changed hands between the Clinton Foundation, the Podesta Group, money, car deals, aluminum deals, Skolkovo. Spurbank, all of this money is slushing around in, in the Democrat power centers, the Clinton Foundation. Hillary Clinton's the Secretary of State. The Obama administration's in power. Uranium One's approved. Skolkovo, there's influence operations to get us to transfer our technology to Skolkovo. Hypersonic missiles are developed afterwards. The Army Intelligence Office, uh, excuse me, uh, outfit itself says, listen, this is a bad deal, Skolkovo. It's an espionage effort. But the companies involved in Skolkovo donate to the Clinton Foundation. They had to hide this. They need a special counsel. But the only way to get a special counsel, Joe, if I lose you, stop me. No, no, the only cool. way to get a special counsel is to set the narrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Democrats launder their money through Perkins Coie, a law firm. They don't pay for any of this directly. 
Perkins Cooey also gets money from the Obama for uh, Organizing for America operation, which is Obama's the remnant of his campaign arm. $700,000 goes to them. Mm-hmm. The Clinton team pays them significant sums of money, Perkins Cooey. This very same law firm needs to blame the Russians. So they hire a, they don't let the FBI come in and analyze the so-called DNC hack. And I say so-called because there's no evidence so far convincing me or anyone else in law or, or law enforcement or former law enforcement that DNC was in fact hacked. We know Podesta was caught up in a phishing scheme and no one has produced evidence that the DNC was hacked. Why? Because the FBI's never looked at the computers. They won't let them in. The DNC won't even let BuzzFeed in now in response to a lawsuit. BuzzFeed wants to see the evidence, too, to protect itself uh, because they're being sued for publicizing uh, uh, the dossier. Why won't the DNC let them in? They needed a special counsel. Please follow me, folks. To get a special counsel, they needed a story. To get a story, they had to invent one. So they invented the story that the DNC was hacked by the Russians. But they couldn't let the FBI come in because they couldn't recreate a hack by the Russians. That didn't happen. Right. The FBI is not going to play that game. Listen, the FBI has a lot of problems, okay? They were not going to play that game. So what do they do? Perkins Coie, the law firm that's intimately involved with organizing for America, the Obama former campaign arm, the DNC and Hillary Clinton hires CrowdStrike. What's CrowdStrike? CrowdStrike's founder, this guy Alperovich, sits on the Atlantic Council. The Atlantic Council, who else sits on the Atlantic Council? Evelyn Farkas, the same uh, assistant, uh, was a deputy secretary of defense who went on MSNBC. We played the audio a thousand times after the election and basically said, hey, the Trump team didn't know how we had all this information about them in Russia. Yeah. But, you know, we had to let people on the Hill know. Yeah. CrowdStrike's founder sits on this Atlantic Council board with her. And who founded CrowdStrike, by the way? A guy named Victor Pinchuk, who's donated substantial sums of money to who? The Clinton Foundation. They needed a story. They needed a special counsel because they knew money had exchanged hands on both sides. They knew they could dirty up the Trump team with a special counsel as long as they had a story. Right. They knew the money on the Democrat side was going to be ugly. They knew they had to hide it. The way to hide it is to get a special counsel and get a lead special counsel investigator who, by the way, is not clean on this. In other words, not clean in that he doesn't have some involvement. He was not. He should have been a a nonpartisan lawyer from outside of the D.C. swamp, who could have evaluated this case without any interest involved. But Mueller was the FBI director when Uranium One went down. There was no way Mueller could be impartial. They needed someone to sweep this under the rug. And by sweeping it under the rug, I mean focus exclusively on Russian collusion that didn't happen. Therefore, people don't pay attention to the collusion that did happen between the Democrats and the Russians. So they hires CrowdStrike to come in and say, hey, fellas, wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, You know, we're going to need a story here. We're going to need a story. I mean, can we say the Russians hacked it? The Russians hacked the DNC. Well, did they? They may have. Nobody knows. The FBI never looked at it. 
But it's just awfully interesting that CrowdStrike's owned by a guy that sits on this Atlantic Council with the same woman from the Obama administration that went on MSNBC basically talking about how they had all this information on the Russians and Trump and spread it around at Capitol Hill, potentially violating the law by leaking it. Pretty amazing how that happens. And how the founder of CrowdStrike is a big Clinton Foundation donor. So the same law firm, Joe, that sets it up and says, hey, CrowdStrike, come in here. You're going to analyze the computers. Mm-hmm. CrowdStrike conveniently comes out and goes, oh, the Russians did it. Is also the same law firm that hires Fusion GPS, who then mysteriously, air quotes, finds information on, on Trump colluding with the Russians through Christopher Steele and the dossier. Steele, by the way, who's connected to a lobbyist who's connected to a Russian oligarch, who also at one point tried to influence the, uh, the political process through donations to the Clinton Foundation. Let me ask you the question I started off with again. Were the Russians buying off the Clintons? Did Obama know about it? And did they cover it up? Now, hat tip to my buddy Caleb and other people who sent this to me. I don't know how I missed this, but when I do, I got to, you know... I, I, I sometimes I need a mulligan from you folks. I had actually covered this article before and missed it. I, I wasn't brain dead on Friday. I was actually quite frosty. Uh, I just, uh, with so much going on, I don't know how I missed it. On Friday, I had asked the question. This is going to tie into the second part of this. Did Obama know about the Russians buying off the Clintons? And did they cover it up? The answer to did they cover it up, I believe, is going to be the Mueller special investigation, special counsel, is the effort to cover this up. Oh, look at Trump. Don't look what's going on over here. Mm. And they knew Mueller would do that. I've got more evidence for that in a second. But covering part two of this, did Obama know about it? I had said to you on Friday while covering the new revelations about the Loretta Lynch emails and how she was using a fake name Mm -hmm. as the attorney general. Elizabeth Carlisle, she was using a DOJ account, but a fake name, and how the Obama administration has been caught by this multiple times. The EPA administrator, Lisa Jackson, um, had the uh, Richard Windsor account at EPA. They were using fake names. They were using fake names to avoid FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, because if I get a Freedom of Information Act request for Joe Armacost's emails, and he works at the Secret Service, and Joe's using a fake name, Mm-hmm. You know, Tony Bag of Donuts. Yeah. I'm not going to find emails about Joe Armacost because he's emailing his Tony Bag of Donuts. Yeah. And I had said to you on Friday, as I've been repeatedly saying, the key to this whole thing is going to be discovering what Obama's involvement via electronic mail, email, ele- you know, uh, 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 de- messaging, not through non traditional mail, obviously. It's going to be that footprint, that data footprint. That is going to implicate potentially the Obama team and Obama himself in all of this. Obama has not has claimed a presidential uh, communications privilege to avoid those emails being exposed. We haven't seen them yet, but we know others have. Right. I'm going to put a piece from Politico in the show to say, please read it about Obama's fake email account. Again, how I missed it, I'm not sure, but shame on me. Read the piece of Politico. It's gonna. It's an older piece. I may. I. I have other right leaning sources. I'd rather you read this one because it. Why, Joe? It entirely refutes the left leaning argument that oh, you guys are conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. Really? Is Politico? Politico, a left leaning. I'm just going to include the Politico piece to knock out any BS from jokers on the left who think I'm making this up. 
challenge Politico to rescind their piece then. The Politico piece is about Obama using a fake name on emails to communicate with Hillary Clinton. And apparently during an FBI interview, Huma Abedin, another Clinton consigliere, is shown one of these emails and informed that it is in fact Barack Obama. I don't know what the pseudonym was. Joe Smith, who knows? Mm. But Huma Abedin feigned surprise. Joe, oh my gosh, this is Obama. This should be classified. I'm not so sure Huma didn't know who that was. Why am I telling you any of this? Because now that we can establish there were a series, series meaning more than one, right? A series of fake names being used under the Obama administration mm-hmm. to communicate amongst private email accounts in the case of Hillary and government email accounts under fake names, Lisa Jackson, Loretta Lynch, now Barack Obama. I strongly believe that those emails from Hillary to Obama mm. may have some mention of the involvement of Perkins Coie, the law firm. The very same law firm, by the way, that received money from Organizing for America, the Obama campaign arm, campaign arm or what was left of it, from the DNC, from Hillary, and the same law firm that hired CrowdStrike to magically think up this Russian, uh, Russian hack information on the DNC, and who also hired Fusion GPS to find evidence of collusion. Until we see the Obama emails... Matter of fact, you know what? I'll just read to you just quickly from this political piece. This is cool. In an April 5th, 2016 interview with the FBI, Huma Abedin was shown an email exchange between Clinton and Obama, but the longtime Clinton aide did not recognize the name of the sender. Are we sure about that? Once informed that the sender's name is believed to be a pseudonym used by the president, Abedin exclaimed, how is this not classified? The report says. Abedin then expressed her amazement at the president's use of a pseudonym and asked if she can have a copy of the email. The State Department has refused to make public that and other uh, emails Clinton exchanged with Obama. Lawyers have cited the presidential communications privilege, a variation of executive privilege, in order to withhold the messages under the Freedom of Information Act. Now, why the heck would they do that? Because if they claim executive privilege, folks, they have to acknowledge that the information was in fact classified and that Barack Obama was exchanging classified information with Hillary Clinton over a private email server. And he must have knew about it because the email he was sending the information to was not a state.gov one. Ew. (sighs) Folks, this thing is so ugly. And again, my sincere apologies, because I, I, I have a lot of respect for the audience and I listen to your feedback. I take it all into account. I appreciate the thoughtful emails. And by the way, I really appreciate the people who disagree with me and do it. And some people disagree and just get nasty. And there's no reason for that. I, 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 I mean, I really mean it. I really appreciate your emails. I like to be challenged. Matter of fact, there were a lot of good people who challenged me on the tariffs on Friday. Some had some good points, but, you know, some were just like, you know, you're a jerk. You know what you talk about? All right. All right. Whatever. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I appreciate you being here. And you know what? That's the price of admission. You can call me a jerk. The show is free. Whatever. Um, but I appreciate that. But And I'm sorry for going, keep constantly going back. But this case is so dirty that the more information creeps up on it, the more I'm absolutely 100,000% convinced that the special counsel, special counsel is a smokescreen to avoid all of this coming out. That's why they don't want to give this up. Despite the fact, Joe, that I saw polling this weekend... That showed that the Trump-Russian collusion fake story, fake news story, Mm -hmm. 
on voter concerns was like, I don't even know what it was, 19 out of 20? Yeah, it was pretty low. I saw it too. So you have to say to yourself, Democrats, folks, they are smart politically. Don't believe me. Don't You may be wrong politically, which they are, but don't for a second think they're stupid. They are not. The Democrats know exactly what they're doing, okay? The Democrats, you have to ask yourself, why the hell are the Democrats still painfully sticking to this Trump Russia story, despite the fact that they know voters don't care anymore because folks, the Mueller thing is a smoke screen. And the minute the smoke dissipates and the Clinton Obama Russia connections, I told you about Spurbank, Skolkovo, Deripaska, Vexelberg, all of the money that exchanged hands to influence them in exchange for decisions. That's important or else why hire a lobbyist, Joe, right? By the way, the same lobbyist who has a connection to Christopher Steele who generated negative information on Trump. Once that smoke clears and that comes up, they are going to be, they're finished. They're not going to be able to run. They need the smoke screen. Now, here's the reason I'm talking about this again. Something else happened this weekend and I answered one of my own questions, which I always love. Oh, here we go. Getting texts all day. This happens during the show. People text me all the time. Can you do this? Can you do that? No, I can't do my show. You know that. Uh, Before I get to that, though, something happened this weekend, and I really want you to understand how deep this goes. It it involves a meeting, and a meeting I asked the audience a question on about with the United Arab Emirates and the Trump team. Now things are starting to make sense. Something broke this weekend. All right. Today's show uh, also brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. We love Filter By. Folks, this is a great company. Appreciate them. They create some of America's best filters right here in America, air filters. Hey, there's a lot of people out there screaming, yelling on social media about the environment and how the industry is polluting the air and destroying the planet. But most of them probably haven't changed their air filter since it was installed. It's probably black and it's not charcoal. It was supposed to be a white filter and it's all black with dust. It's a simple thing and you can make a huge difference in the air you breathe at home. I spend a lot of time at home, so it's important for me. Visit my friends at FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600, 600, as my electrician brother would say, 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours. And they're manufactured right here in the great, grand, old USA. Good job, FilterBuy. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, and you'll never have to think about air filters again. That's the way to do it, because I always forget to change them. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. Sound like a cheerleader. B-U-Y.com. FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. Check them out. All right. Thanks, folks. Okay. So here's what broke this weekend. I had asked last week about this meeting. Uh, Do you remember remember this, Joe? I had said, I'm confused about this, and I, I like to crowdsource with my audience because I don't Unlike some others in the industry who claim to know every, I don't, I, I think I have a good body of evidence and some good sourcing on what happened here, but I'm confused about something. So it's pretty clear to me that November, right after the election, Trump's the president elect, Obama's still the president. I've told you before about Mike Rogers, the NSA, uh, head of the NSA. He goes up to Trump tower about 10 days after the election Mm -hmm. and he briefs Trump. I'm convinced in that briefing, he gives Trump a warning in some fashion about the spying operation that's been going on on him the entire time and his team. 
And I believe he thinks there's some improprieties in it. Why? Because right after that meeting, the Obama team uh, re-ups their calls for Rogers to step down, which is bizarre. Obama's leaving office in a couple months. Why the hell does he care if Rogers steps down or not? It's just bizarre that he go he makes a point to go after Rogers and so do other people in the in the DC swamp who are affiliated at a high level with the Obama team. So if Rogers did in fact tell Trump that there was a spying operation going on, it's interesting that the next day Trump evacuates Trump Tower and goes up to Bedminster to hold his meetings up there. Now, I want to be clear on this, having been involved in government surveillance officially not like the obama team which did it under the guise of it being official i i there were not physical bugs i don't believe in trump tower nor were there alligator clips on the lines going into mm-hmm. trump tower the surveillance it doesn't work that way anymore folks it th- these surveillance works on transatlantic cables basically if the government wants to find your communications they don't need to go to your house and put an alligator clip on your phone line okay just to be crystal clear they don't need to do any of that. They basically just need to go to a FISA court and get a warrant, or in some cases, just go to a criminal court and get a warrant. It's not hard. But it is interesting that they left Trump Tower, and I've speculated often, sometimes on the show, sometimes not in various forms, because I've been thinking this through, as to why they would decamp Trump Tower. Because it's clear, like I said, Joe, that I, there weren't bugs in the walls, and there weren't specific phone lines in that place that were tapped everything's tapped it's the way it works Mm -hmm. the communications coming in and out of the country and all over can be tapped by the nsa Mm -hmm. i don't have an easy answer for you but one of the answers i i I, i've been kicking around is maybe it was just the idea that they could better control who was coming in and out who was watching them and potentially some other form of signal interception if they were in bedminster new jersey at a country club rather than in downtown manhattan where seriously i mean hundreds of thousands of people using non-sophisticated equipment could probably listen in so they probably said listen let's not take the chance let's get the hell out of dodge here and let's go up to bedminster where we can better control it Make sense, Joe? We can better control who's around. We can better control who's on the facility. I mean, seriously, in Trump Tower, you probably could have stood across the street in an office building with some sensitive equipment and maybe intercepted some stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. So Trump said, probably said, listen, let's get out of here. But what's puzzled me a little bit is it was a meeting in January, obviously after November, the following January, not the, you know, in January after the November meeting where I believe Trump has warned about this, this spying. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a meeting in Trump Tower between Mike Flynn, Bannon, uh, a couple more folks, and the United Arab Emirates. And I said to you, and I've been trying to crowdsource this, why would they do it there? It doesn't make sense if they still thought that it would be relatively easy um, to do that. I don't have an easy answer for you there. I don't know. Maybe they figured the skiff was up. Um, the skiff is a sensitive compartmentalized information facility, which it probably was. The White House Communications Agency, which works in conjunction with the Secret Service, it's a it's a mili- it, they fall into the military. They're military folks. They put up skiffs for the president, basically mm. everywhere he goes, so he can talk in private, not have to worry about being intercepted by everything from basic listening devices to complicated ones. Okay, so the skiff may have been up, and they may have gone back there, but it was that meeting with the UAE in January. That piqued my interest. Something came up today. I was watching Fox this morning after researching this UAE thing all weekend. And I was like, ah, Eureka. There it is. So the Mueller team, which broke this morning, 
The Mueller team is now investigating the transfer of money from the United Arab Emirates, United Arab Emirates, excuse me, to the Trump team because they're looking at potential a potential influence operation from another foreign government. Wow. Are we are we back at the Logan Act again? Folks, remember what I told you in last week's show. It's that meeting, the meeting that January, the reason that January meeting with the UAE is important, folks, is because that's the meeting Susan Rice, Obama's national security advisor, that's the meeting she uses as an excuse Mm. to unmask all of these Trump people they've been surveilling. Ah, She says, hey, Joe. I shouldn't tell Joe this, but if she was in the room, here's what she told people. She said, well, the United Arab Emirates came to the country, didn't tell Obama they were coming here. He was still president. Trump was only president-elect, even though he was going to be president in days. Yeah. And we felt that that was awfully suspicious, so we spied on everyone. You think Mueller's trying to cover something else up now? Do you think potentially that unmasking operation around this meeting with the UAE, which, by the way, could have been completely entirely legitimate, that the Obama team is sweating their cojones off right now because they know they had no legal justification to unmask the people involved in that meeting, that they did it, and now they're like, hey, hint, Bob, the UAE may have donated money to some Republican PAC somewhere that went to Trump. Let's go into that, too. Smoke screen, smoke screen. Pop the smoke, folks. The green smoke. Oh, there you go. Don't look behind the smoke. Now, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, as my buddy in New York used to say, I'm not saying, I'm just in a Yogi Bearism for the decades. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, if Mueller is going to use, again, the Logan Act here as a premise for opening this part of the investigation into this meeting, Ladies and gentlemen, we got a serious problem. We have a special counsel that is entirely rogue and out of control. Now, why would I say that? Because remember, the Logan Act was the entire operating principle the Obama administration used to target Mike Flynn. The Logan Act, which says private citizens can't intervene with foreign governments, uh, you know, in in official matters, basically. It's not the Logan Act is not serious. It's only serious when the Democrats need to target Republicans. Nobody in the history of the United States has ever been prosecuted using the Logan Act. It is questionably constitutional at best. Folks, it has never been taken seriously ever. It is the jaywalking of federal crimes, but people have actually been convicted of jaywalking, I'm sure. So it's even worse because nobody has ever been convicted of the Logan Act. I can't say this enough. If the Logan Act was real, Jimmy Carter would be in jail. Dennis Rodman would be in jail for going to North Korea. Uh, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. Jesse Jackson would be in jail. Jane Fonda would be in jail for going to Vietnam. Yep. The, the Logan Act is not serious. It's it's a farcical law. But they needed an excuse to target Flynn and the Trump team. So when Flynn had the call with the Russian ambassador and couldn't accurately remember the conversation for reasons I've already described in prior shows, there was nothing wrong with that. But in order to interview Flynn and to set him up for a false statements charge, they needed a reason to interview him. And the reason was going to be the Logan Act. I'm suggesting to you now that Logan Act was a smokescreen because they wanted to hammer Mike Flynn because they needed a scalp to collect on the Trump team. 
I'm suggesting to you now that on this UAE thing, that this is going to come up again now, and that the entire premise behind, behind Mueller looking into the United Arab Emirates and their money into the United States is not going to be to operate on the premise that they influenced the Trump team or didn't influence the Trump team. It is going to be another Logan acting. Look, they met with Flynn. What did they talk about at that meeting? That's why That's why the, the, the Rice and Obama team unmasked and basically spied on the Trump team. Folks, everything here is a smokescreen the whole time. So just to be clear, to wrap this up, because I want I, one more quick thing I want to mm-hmm. get to here. Mueller's smokescreen number one. Money has changed hands significant amounts between Russian oligarchs, the Clinton Foundation, front companies these Russian oligarchs were involved in, on multiple deals, Uranium One, the Opal Car deal, the Skolkovo project. Uranium One involved the transfer of our uranium to a known sworn enemy. Control of it at a minimum. The German car deal, the Opal deal. Again, a Russian oligarch involved. The Skolkovo project, our own intelligence communities acknowledged it was a Russian espionage effort. The Clintons were involved in all of this and the players gave them money. They need a smokescreen. The smokescreen is if we get a special investigation into Trump, they can look into Trump and it'll distract everybody from what we did. How would the Clintons know about a special investigation and a special counsel? How would they know that would work? Because they were the subject of a special investigation to the independent counsel as well. They know exactly how damaging it can be, exactly how it can get off track, and exactly how it can take up the entire national attention span. Remember Monica Lewinsky and Kenneth Starr. That was not an investigation into Monica Lewinsky. That was an investigation into the Whitewater land deal. That morphed into five or six different things. The Clintons have firsthand experience of how a special investigation could be a smokescreen for Trump, for the you know for for, uh, for them to, to using the Trump investigation. In other words, mm-hmm. because they know it'll go all over the place because they were victims of it too. I shouldn't say victims of it; they were involved in Whitewater. I'm just saying they were on the receiving end of an independent counsel, which is different than a special counsel, but similar kind of effects now. So what do they do in order to hide all this Russian money going to the Clinton Foundation? They have to hire a law firm, the law firm to, sh- to shuttle money, to hide their money. Law firm hires a company, a company connected to a number of Democrats in the Obama administration through, uh, through donors and board members. They invent this, this Russian hacking narrative. They then hire a, a Fusion GPS to hire a British spy to then confirm the Russian collusion, Russian hacking narrative and blame it on Trump. Secondly, the unmasking scandal. So first, the money changing. They have to hide the money changing, which is interesting because the gospel this weekend was about the money changers. You heard that? Yeah, you it's one of my favorite weekend. ones. Yeah, mine too. I love it that Jesus got a little, uh, a little salty pe- with them. Yeah. Turning over those money tables. Yeah. Let those doves go. I love that. It was great. It's one of my favorites too. See, me and you think alike. But the first is to hide the money changing. The second, Joe, the second is to hide the unmasking. And when I say the second, I mean the second reason for the Mueller special counsel. Hide the unmasking no matter what. We can't have the American people know the Obama team is spying. Where did we start unmasking? Oh, or, or where were we heavily involved in unmasking? Publicly known now? That UAE meeting in January. Oh, Bob Mueller, conveniently, now he's investigating the United Arab Emirates and their money uh, sent it to the United States to allegedly influence the Trump team. Bizarre how that happens. 
Folks, I'm telling you, this whole thing is a damn smokescreen. And I guarantee you, they're going to use a Logan Act premise again. They're going to say, oh, the UAE, were they bargaining before Trump was president with Mike Flynn? It's not done. It's not done. Okay, uh, I just want to get to this, too, because I have a good, really good story uh, from the Daily Signal at Bongino.com and at the show notes today. So please check them out. Bongino.com. Please subscribe to my email list as well. And by the way, one more quick thing. Please don't forget to tune in tonight. I'm sorry to hammer you with it, but I really appreciate it if you would to NRATV.com 530. So it's going to be a casual show, kind of like this, different topics, some some of the, some crossover, but I have my buddy Grant Stinchfield on. It'll be a lot of fun. So check it out tonight. How, how long does the show run, Dan? Uh, I mean, it's about 25, 30 minutes. Cool. The nice part about it is I'm flexible with it. So once okay. once uh, we make some other announcements about some other shows, it's going to be a hard 30 minutes. But right now, mm-hmm. I like to kind of play around a little bit. So you know me. Cool. Um, so this is more on uh, representative democracy going on right now. First story I have up at the show notes today is the Department of Justice is trying to reinstate the census question. Are you a citizen? The Democrats are losing their minds. Why would they be losing their minds? Because the Democrats don't want citizens only counted in the census. Why? Because large portions of non-citizens, people here illegally, they want them counted as well. Because where do they happen to live, Joe? Blue states like Maryland and New York, Illinois, Chicago, especially sanctuary cities. So if they can get the population counts up, they can get what? They can get more members of Congress representing blue states to vote for blue state causes. So that's the war on the representative democracy, number one. War number two, the war on the Electoral College. The Electoral College, of course, is a system where you uh, you get an, uh, elect- electors, presidential electors. You have to get 270 of them to win the presidency, 270. In order to get 270, a number of states have different systems on how they choose electors. There are two states that uh, dedicate them proportionally. I think it's Nebraska and Maine. The other 48, it's winner take all. So Florida, you have 27 House of uh, Representatives members and two members of the Senate, of course, that's, which is standard for every state. So you have 29 ele- presidential electors from Florida. You need 270 to win. The Democrats, show are engaged in a lawsuit now. This is unbelievable. They want all the states to dump their winner, state, winner take all electorals. In other words, Florida, if Florida, if you win the popular vote in Florida... Mm-hmm. In other words, if you get one more vote in Florida than you needed to get, mm-hmm. the presidential candidate gets all of those 29 electoral votes, okay? Yeah. The Democrats want this broken up proportionally. So in other words, if he got the votes in the Jacksonville area and that congressional district, that one presidential elector goes to Hillary. Why do they want that? Because who controls the population center show? The big cities. Right. Dems. Democrats. So they don't want a winner-take-all system. They don't want a state to be represented. They want the cities to be represented. Yes. Secondly, on the so they're trying to dump the Electoral College winner-take-all system. Secondly, they're trying to dump the Electoral College to an end-around around the Constitution by creating a state compact. I've told you about this before. This is really dangerous. This is what they want. They don't want states represented in their interest. They want the city population centers, California, New York, to run the whole country. Their second prong of attack on the Electoral College is a state compact for 270, meaning once they can get states that would lean blue, because only blue states would subscribe to this, show to agree that the winner of the national, not the state popular vote, remember, Florida has 29 electoral votes. Mm Mm-hmm. Determined by who won Florida, not who won the national popular vote. Remember, Al Gore won the national popular vote. George Bush got Florida. Mm -hmm. 
because he won Florida. By the way, it's not in dispute, liberals. I, I can do a whole show on that, but don't be silly, please. Okay. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, Joe? Yeah. There are now the Democrats are pushing for blue states that equal 270 electoral votes to make Joe a wink and a nod agreement, a state compact that all of those states will vote for the win. All of their electors, winner take all, which is the opposite of what they want the other way. Uh huh. If they can't get, remember, the Democrats can't get one way to, co- to destroy the Constitutional Republic, they'll take another one. Yeah. They want these states to agree to a handshake agreement that those states will vote for the winner of the national popular vote. Well, what would that do, Joe? It would throw the Electoral College out the window. Right. Because whoever won the national popular vote would win those 270 states. It wouldn't matter mm-hmm. who won the Electoral College. It would only be a popular vote election. The Democrats hate a constitutional republic. They want a direct democracy because they want the rule of the minority. I'm not talking about racial categories. I mean, the minority of people that support their causes, they want that to overrule the majority. And that's how they do it. They do. may say, well, how's that? You're asking for a national popular vote. Folks, there are different states there are different states there are different localities with different interests throughout the uh, throughout the country some of those interests may in fact be majority interests despite being the minority of the people right you may have agricultural interests but matter of fact there, and think about the simple reason this is cities are dense population centers so if you move to a city does that mean you know that the national government should finance the subway system in new york and should absolutely do absolutely nothing to finance a road between you know texas and louisiana they're talking about interests. It's a way for minority interests to overrule the majority. Big trouble. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you like the show. Go to Bongino.com. Check out the articles today. I got another interesting article, by the way, about Spurbank in there, which makes Joe laugh. Um, and their connection to Skolkovo as well, how they wanted the big, big interests in there and had a data processing center, the same bank where Tony Podesta uh, was paid at the Podesta Group as a lobbyist. Go check it out. I'll see y'all later. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.